The great thing about headlines is you can change them really, <laughs> really easily. Like there's this program called FTP. Um, I don't know if you know about it. And you can FTP into your server and then you can edit the HTML and yeah. you can just like type in a new headline. Yeah, you to- yeah it's later. A, a totally. You can do it later. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. All right, how's it going, folks? This is The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. It's Friday. Hope you have a great weekend planned. Hope you've had a good week. You know, hope you're one of those lucky people who doesn't live for the weekend and actually enjoys your week. I am one of those people myself, even though I do have rough weeks, which this has definitely been one. Oh, man, I can't even tell you. It has been a rough week. And um, I, I, I debated whether or not to get into it here. Sometimes I feel like I get a little too too, I don't know, personal or vulnerable is the word, but I just get into it a little too much and I don't know how much I'm going to get into it. But anyway, it's been one of those weeks for me. Nevertheless, I'm excited to be releasing this episode today. Had a little mix up this week. This episode was supposed to come out on Wednesday, but I, given, as I just said, it was a rough week. Part of that was I I spent all day Tuesday thinking it was Monday and I didn't have it ready in time. So Wednesday ended up being the solo show. And today is the episode with Nathan Barry, uh, which was a great conversation. Excited to get into that. But maybe it worked out for the best because uh, Wednesday's episode seemed to hit a nerve with a lot of people. Gotten a lot of emails about that episode which uh, I certainly appreciate. And uh, speaking of those emails, um, I know that sometimes it feels like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a little um, scary or sometimes you just don't want to email someone. But I, 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 the, the thing I love most about doing this show is getting the emails. Um, and I get, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm getting a lot of them, actually, and it's hard to keep track but I'm trying to respond to everyone. And if you've emailed me and I haven't responded, I apologize. Um, email me again. Just remind me uh, so I can search through my inbox. I'm still looking for a better email app, for crying out loud. I'm still using Sparrow on the Mac, which I've been using for years. And I haven't found anything I like better. But I'm getting to the point where it's just hard to organize everything. And I don't have a better system in place. I just talked to uh, Merlin Mann this week. And I didn't ask him at all about email organization, which you would think, duh, that should have been like number one thing on my list. But I didn't. Um, 
oh well, missed the opportunity there. But uh, yeah, email me. Send me an email at adam at abclark.com if you just want to chat or you're struggling with something or need help with something. I love having conversations with people. I, I wish I could figure out a way to make money from just having conversations with people all day. Sort of what I do here on the show. Uh, but I would that would be kind of a dream come true for me. So send me an email. I do appreciate that. I love getting those. And I've gotten so many that have been so encouraging. Just Just people emailing and saying how much the show has meant to them and how much it's helped them and encouraged them. Even though I, I set out, I don't set out at all to try to encourage people. It's, it's you know, the, the show, I'm, I'm not going to bullshit anyone here. I mean, the, the, this show is about me. I, I, I like to talk, and there's people I like to talk to, and I have things I want to say, and I like to record that and put it out there because it's just, I'm compelled to for some reason. And it... Uh, it seems to have resonated with quite a few of you, and that makes me happy, of course. I'm glad that you're being helped, and and I hope that the show is helpful. I'm just being honest in that my, my intention is not to be helpful. My intention is to work through all my own shit and try to figure it out, and I guess somehow that turns out to be helpful for people, but... I do appreciate you listening. We're still, the show is still just blowing up, man. More and more and more people are finding this show and listening to it. And that's because you guys are leaving me ratings and reviews and subscribing. And so iTunes is promoting it and people are seeing it that wouldn't otherwise see it. So if you haven't done the whole rating and review thing, I would greatly appreciate you doing that. If, if you've enjoyed this show and it's meant something to you, then probably the, the biggest favor you could do me would, t- would be to take two minutes and jump into iTunes and leave me a rating and review because that's uh, the main way that this show gets promoted to more people. Uh, so, uh, it's yeah, as I said, it's Friday, January 9th, and I said I would be announcing the winners of the contest. And if you're just, this is your first time tuning in, then... Uh, you're not really familiar with the contest, but I ran a contest from the time I launched the show, gave it about two weeks. It ended December 31st, so I'm still seeing people sign up for the contest list, which there's really no point in doing at this point because the contest is over, and I said I would announce those people today. I'm, I'm going to figure out something to do on a regular basis, just some perk, something, you know, uh, so, so that you get something out of leaving me that rating and review, and it's not just a complete favor. I don't know what it is yet. I haven't decided what would be the most you know valuable thing that I could do every week for someone who leaves me a rating and review. I'm still trying to think through that. If you have ideas, that's another email you could send me. But uh, yeah, so we've got some winners, all right. And unfortunately, I don't know everyone's name because all I have are email addresses. And I, I don't really want to say the winner's email addresses here on the show because they might not appreciate that. So the ones whose names I do know, I'll say their name. And the ones I don't know, I'll just use the username from iTunes. Regardless, if you won one of the four prizes, if you will, you'll be getting an email from me within the next 24 hours uh, alerting you to that fact. So... On to the winners, all right? Uh, well, I guess I should say, first of all, 
what I was giving away. All right. Well, uh, uh, one thing, the first thing I was giving away was a free year of Fizzle.co. Fizzle is one of the best communities I've ever been a part of. And it's whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you should be a part of it. It's a great, great community. I've learned so much from that community. But especially if you're an entrepreneur trying to do creative work or figure out this whole online business thing, fizzles where you want to be. So that's the first thing I was giving away. Second thing I was giving away is a one-hour JFDI session, as I like to call it, with me, because I don't like the term coaching. I don't even really really like the term mentor. Uh, It just sounds kind of, I don't know, sounds kind of cheesy. Like, I'm not a coach. Who am I to coach, you know? So I like to call it JFDI sessions, and I stole the JFDI from my friend Justin Jackson. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure you can guess what that stands for. If you don't know, it stands for just fucking do it, and I'm kind of all about that lately. And so it's essentially a coaching session. It's a one-hour session on Skype where we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Maybe you want to talk about podcasting, entrepreneurship, life, marriage, (laughs) parenting, I I I'm willing to talk about anything. I, I don't know how great my advice is going to be on some of those topics, uh, but we can talk about it if you want. And then I was also giving away a, an iPad Air, one of the new iPad Airs. And then the last thing I was giving away was a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. All right, so here are the winners of the contest. Uh, the winner of the free year of Fizzle is uh, Calvin Kepke. And I happen to know Calvin, and I just want to say up front that I none of this was uh, this is all random. I put everyone's everyone who signed up and 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 did the steps to be part of the contest went into like a, a randomized little system, and it spit out the spit out five random uh, email addresses, and it just so happens that a couple of them I knew, and Calvin is someone I know. So Calvin. You have won the one free year of Fizzle, so you'll be getting an email from me within the next day about that. Uh, the winner of the one-hour JFDI session is Metacrawl. I don't know the name of Metacrawl. I just know that's the username from the review in iTunes. So Metacrawl, if you're listening, thank you for being part of the contest and signing up and leaving me the review. I'll be sending you that email within the next day. Uh, the winner of the iPad Air is uh, April Banker. And I will be emailing you uh, some information about that in the next day. So congrats on winning that. Thanks for the support in iTunes. And la- finally, not lastly, but finally, the winner of the $100 Amazon gift card is Carolyn Wood. So thanks, Carolyn, for your support and the review and being part of my contest. So that's it. Those are the winners. I th- Thanks to all of you who participated in this. I really appreciate it. As I said, I'm going to figure out some way to keep some sort of thing ongoing. Um, one of the things is if you leave me a review and a rating, make sure you include your link and name to whatever it is that you do so that I can say that here. I often read some of the reviews here at the top of the show, and I'd love to be able to 
uh, read your link or, or domain or, or whatever it is that you do, and maybe you will get some uh, something out of it. I'm not saying I'm going to send a flood of traffic your way. I'm not that famous, but maybe you will get something out of it anyway. A couple of reviews from the last week or so have been great, and I, I've really, I've really appreciated it. Here's one from Matthew Smith, and uh, Matthew Smith is a friend of mine. You can follow him on Twitter by following at whale, literally like the the thing in the sea, W-H-A-L-E. Matthew says, uh, great questions and great material. It's refreshing to hear real stories rather than the same old stuff I hear on other industry podcasts. Great work, Adam. Thanks, Matthew. It means a lot. I, I, love, I love it especially when I stumble upon reviews from friends. It means a lot that you take the time to do that. Here's one from uh, Word Folk, I guess. Word F-U-L-C. Uh, Word Folk says, Honest, raw, funny, worth it. Adam's mindset resonates with me. I, too, am sick of the let-me-show-you-how-to-make-money-online BS that's pretty much the standard these days. He cuts right through all that crap with fresh honesty and transparency about what it's really like to struggle as an Internet entrepreneur. Right on, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you feel like it cuts through. I struggle with it, honestly. There's still, even despite the success of this show, there's still a tremendous amount of self-doubt that I feel over the show every time I release an episode. Uh, there's this there's this thing in my head that says, you suck, this is no good, and it's not worth anything. And I have to fight that and just do it anyway. I know it's worth something because I get lots of email about how it's helped so many of you. Uh, so, so I know it's worth something, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, a million people could inter- email me a day saying it was the greatest thing they'd ever heard, and I, I still wouldn't believe it. You know, I don't, I don't know why we're so, as humans, so plagued by this self-doubt. Last one for today is uh, JDubz21. And uh, JDub says, started with episode four, and it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. I listened to it three times that day, and will probably start my day with it. Helps to cut the BS and just go for it. Life is too short. Looking forward to catching up on the rest of the series. Thanks, Adam. Well, thanks, JWZ21. I appreciate that. All right, well, keep those coming. I would appreciate it if you did. I also need to announce one more thing before we get into today's episode. Uh, my podcasting course, as many of you know, is in pre sale at the moment, which has blown me away. 109, 109 people have pre ordered that course, which if anything, should be an encouragement to you to just do whatever it is you have in your head that you want to do, because I have no experience. I mean, not no experience podcasting, but I mean, clearly I'm making a course about it, but I had no experience making a course. I had no idea if anyone would want to learn these topics from me. I mean, uh, again, back to the self-doubt, who am I to teach this stuff is, is what I would say to myself, but I did it anyway. I launched uh, pre-sale for the course and 109 people have pre-ordered so far which blows my mind but back to what I was saying is the pre-sale is not going to go on forever it's actually going to end it's going to end next Sunday Sunday January 18th at midnight eastern time 
and uh, once it's over, it is over. And then you will not be able to get it until it launches on February 24th, at which time it'll be priced at $299. So right now it's $110. If, if you want to start a podcast in two, 2015 or anytime, if you're interested in this at all, then I would say jump in on it. I've also added a perk for those of you who pre-purchase. There's, there's several levels of the course, but the one that's available for pre-purchase is the, the $299 level. The higher level, which will be uh, priced at $599 when it launches, includes a, a private online community so that we can interact with each other, help each other out, etc. Well, for those of you that pre-purchase, um, I'm throwing in that community as a perk. It's already launched. We've already got dozens of active members in there talking, communicating, helping each other out, and it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. And so uh, if you would like in on that, uh, I'm going to throw that in as, as a perk to anyone who pre-purchases the course. And uh, like I said, you got till January 18th to do that. Um, after that, uh, that community will only be available to people who purchase the, the highest tier at $600. So if any of that is interest of interest to you, you can go to avclark.com slash course and read all about what I'm doing there and pre-purchase. Or if you just want to sign up to just find out more when it comes out, you're not ready to, to uh, fork over the cash yet, then that's fine too. I appreciate either. So I want to get into today's conversation with Nathan Barry. Uh, many of you know Nathan Barry. Nathan Barry is an author of several books. Um, one of my favorite books that he has written is called Authority. And it's a great book about building an audience and, and, and doing your thing, like exactly what I'm doing with doing my podcasting course. Great, great book. It's a course, too. I mean, it's got videos and tutorials and all sorts of things. He's also the founder of ConvertKit, which is an email marketing company, doing some really interesting things there. And we just had a really fun conversation. I've gotten to know Nathan a little bit. We recorded this several months ago. So uh, you'll hear several mentions to things we want to finish by the end of the year and stuff like that. But, oh, well, it's still a great conversation. And uh, Nathan has got a ton of wisdom about uh, doing work that matters and and especially the business side of it. You know, how to launch things, how to make money from things, how to know if you're working on the right things. Because if you're an entrepreneur, then you know that not everything you work on makes you money. You got to figure out like the right things to work on at the right times. And Nathan is great at, at discerning those things. And we just had a great conversation and I've had several with him since. And I'm honored to consider him a friend at this point and really enjoyed the conversation we had. So I'm going to get right to it. We'll be back with my conversation with Nathan right after this quick word from our sponsor. A very wise sage once said, it's all about the features, baby. Actually, that's not true. I just made that up. However, that is often what a lot of companies tout about their products is their features. Well, I'm here to say that features don't mean shit. Features don't matter. Everyone has features. 
What less accounting gives you is a process and a system that saves you time and saves you money. How do they do that? Let's talk to Alan. Alan's one of the co-founders of Less Accounting. We, we help you with uh, expense categorization. So uh, we have about 30 billion transactions in Less Accounting through all our customers. And we know when we import from your bank or your credit card, if you spent money at Starbucks, we know that's coffee or meals. And so we categorize that for you as meals and entertainment because we know Starbucks is meals and entertainment. So we do some bookkeeping for you. It's all um, done through you know code. So you can see my expenses? Like you know how much money I spend on Starbucks? That would be embarrassing. That'd be embarrassing. That's not me personally. No, our, you know, we have servers and that sort of thing. But I'm not looking through your books, no. Oh, so just like the Skynet accounting, less accounting, Skynet knows what how much money I spend on Starbucks, but not you, basically. Correct. No, I don't look at people's books, no. <laughs> so privacy. Privacy is another good reason to use less accounting. Privacy is good. You know, it's cloud-based, blah, 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 all those, all those buzzwords. <laughs> but our, our goal is just, just to save you time uh, and not have an end-of-the-year frust- frustrating moment. Keep your accountant happy if you just follow the rules, which is spend about an hour a month going through your books and reconciling your books. And we show you how to do that. And uh, by the end of the year, you should be good if you just follow the rules. Nice. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for uh, uh, telling me about, uh, you know, everything I'm doing wrong with your (laughs) software. I'm going to go and uh, balance my books now. You should do that. So, less accounting. Go check them out at lessaccounting.com slash TGM. And there's a page there with information just for you, just for listeners of this show. Check them out. Let me know what you think. Less Accounting. Accounting software for business owners who hate accounting. All right. Well, I don't know if I can really talk up this interview or conversation with Nathan Barry enough. I, I really enjoyed it. Had a great time talking to him, and so much great stuff in here. Especially for those of you who are trying to trying to put your stamp in the world and make a difference. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Nathan Barry. Okay, so you were traveling, and you've written before about this. I mean, is this all uh, just vacation stuff, or is this business stuff, or do you kind of take working trips because you work for yourself? Um, it's a it's a mix. This the last couple trips were so I went to Europe for Microconf Europe that was mm-hmm. in Prague, and since I was headed over there, uh, my brother in law was had been there for two months traveling around so I asked him where he was going to be and so we met up for a week in Croatia and Italy um, nice. and then I hopped over to Prague for, for the conference okay so you were um, by yourself this time then yeah and then I came home for like three days and then went to San Francisco to speak at the um, Wu Themes conference oh cool man yeah and then I tacked a couple days on after that to visit family See yeah. the guys at Gumroad, you know, got a bunch of meetings in. How do you feel about, do you enjoy the traveling? I mean, like I said, you've written about it and it's it's like one of the things that you, I mean, you said you enjoyed. So I guess that's kind of a silly question. But at this point, after having done it a decent amount of it over the last few years, um, do you still really enjoy it? Yeah, I, I really do. So I got to find a balance, you know, but I, if I... 
go more than a month or so without getting on a plane, I start to feel a little antsy. <laughs> yeah, see, I hate traveling, but um, I love moving. So <laughs> if I go over about two years of living in the same place, then I start getting antsy. So. Oh, interesting. Yep, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I know. This has been the longest. We live... Uh, my wife told me recently, no more moving. So <laughs> we, uh, we, we've we been in the same place and I've been kind of in the same career and stuff for the longest ever. And it's uh, it's been interesting. So can't say that I'm ready to, uh, that I'm not ready to move on. But it's, uh, you know, once you have kids and they're in school, you know, it, it, it kind of yeah. changes, changes everything. How old are your kids? Seven and five. Okay. Yeah. You've got two as well, right? Yeah, they're... Much younger. They're three, uh, three years and six months. Yeah, that's right. I remember you writing recently about that. Well, not specifically about having kids, but about the, the stress and, and lack of energy and sleep and stuff around, uh, I guess, the birth of your second child and caused you to eventually get sick and things like that. Yeah, it was a, a rough period of time. <laughs> well, I'm interested to know like what... Uh, that's a very interesting topic to me because I feel like um, I'm in the middle of one of those. I think a lot of people are. I don't know. I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, emails from people, responses to people on the newsletter and stuff who who uh, seem to be in, I don't know, just a rough stage of life like that. And so, I don't know. I'd love to hear you talk about that, about how you... Uh, how you how you got through it without just you know because you have those days in the middle of those periods where you're just like I just you just want to give up on everything just give it all up and just you know start over on something you know just complete burnout you know and and you know how not to do that and and you know keep you know sticking um what am I trying to say uh sticking to it you know sticking to the the goal and not losing sight of that because of you know, a rough patch or burnout or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the biggest thing you can do is just keep slowly making progress Yeah. and, and celebrating those tiny wins. Like if all you can manage for a particular day is to fix one bug in your software or, you know, something like that, celebrate that as a win you made progress. And because the times that I get myself into trouble are when I, you know, am unproductive and can't focus. And then I start beating myself up over not making progress and, you know, and yeah, that and just makes it, just it worse. Becomes, yeah. Right. And so you just have to like write out, these are the three things I'm going to do today. Yeah. And two of them, when you actually do them, probably take 10 minutes each, you know? Right. And so when you look at it, you're like, wow, I, I did an hour's worth of work today, but you know what? It moved my business forward, you know, a tiny bit, but it's forward progress. Yeah. What, what was it like to, I think it must, cause I went through something similar recently. So what was it like to actually get sick and realize that you can actually physically get sick and maybe even have something serious because of stress and, you know, stress related things. I don't know. That was a really weird, like when I found that out, it was just like, oh my goodness. I felt like I was getting old or something like that's never happened before. You know, when you're in college, you can pull all nighters in your twenties and it's just, it's like, you know, um, and, and something, I don't know. What was it like when you, when you realized that, you know, you were actually physically sick because of the, the stress you were going through? 
I, it was definitely uh, surprising. Yeah. I'd always thought of, I'd always been proud of, you know, my accomplishments and, you know, being able to like write three books in 12 months, you know, and yeah. like being able to, to produce at that level. And so it was really odd to find that I no longer could do that. Yeah. Um, another thing that was really weird, this is, you know, maybe somewhat unrelated to the business side, but that I realized that my wife started treating me like I was fragile. And to <laughs> yeah. some extent, cause I was like, you know, I'd gotten, you know, really stressed out and really sick and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was weird to have, to realize some interactions where I was like, Oh, she's, um, you know, shielding me from, you know, some of these small difficulties because she yeah. feels like I'm fragile. And that was, you know, so I was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> Cause I've never thought of myself as fragile in any way. Like, yeah. you know, I did a bunch of remodeling on our house. Uh, I go to the gym three or four times a week. I play soccer games like once or twice a week. And like, it, it was just, and I've always thought of myself as the person who can function on, you know, not that much sleep who can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was weird. It was really weird to have, to be like, Oh, she thinks that at least right now I'm, <laughs> I'm fragile. And that was, uh, that was different. So she, she was right, but yeah, I, I've, I've thought the same, you know, it, it's been the same, you know, I had the same experience recently um, and I didn't connect it to stress until someone else told me a story of the exact same thing happened to them, but an extremely stressful period of about three months. And, and, and one day I woke up with like extreme stomach pain and I didn't know what it was. Anyway, long story short, over the course of the weekend, I ended up having to go to the hospital and have my gallbladder removed and and I just thought you know well it was just I don't know I guess that's something that happens to some people at a certain time and and then later afterward it was uh someone else told me that they, they had the exact same thing happen and it also happened right in the middle of a period of extreme stress and and then I, I read your story about that and it kind of all connected that like man that's that's like that's just that's just freaky to me that um you know, like you said, you know, when you, I've never thought of myself as someone who, um, uh, not necessarily fragile, but you know, who, who, uh, uh, who, who could get sick because of, I've always, in other words, I've always thought I handled stress well, you know, I've been self-employed for six years and anyone who's self-employed and especially for that long knows that, uh, there are periods of, of definite, like serious stress and, um, and I've never, I just never can, I never thought that that could happen. And so like going through that, like what has it changed? Cause I know it was like this year or something that that happened to you. Like what has it changed anything about, I don't know how you work or how, at least how you look at your work and, and what you think, you know, your, your goals are, what you're trying to do with your career. I've, I mean, I've definitely slowed down. Um, the post I wrote around that time was about having enough. And I had an interaction with uh, someone at MicroConf Europe just this last, maybe a month ago, where, you know, we're talking about business plans and, and uh, 
where things are going and goals and all of that. And he said something that, you know, he basically said that, you know, from his perspective, I had made it like, you know, very, uh, very successful blog, plenty of income, all of that. And that tied in really nicely with maybe the lesson for this entire year, which is realizing that you have enough, you know, um, yeah. that revenue doesn't have to double every year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I make considerably more than my last full-time job. And, you know, really if I, based on where I live and everything, that previous salary, uh, should be enough, you know, I could live on that. Yeah. And so four times that or five times that or, or whatever, um, that I have now that should be enough. And so making that realization that, uh, uh, I don't have to be scrambling like crazy to always achieve bigger numbers and that that's not necessarily going to bring, you know, any more happiness or that sort of thing. So I've, I've, I am trying to be very conscious of the fact that I have enough and that if I, take time off, uh, you know, if I decide not to go into work that day or something like that, that things will be okay. Um, that I don't have to hit crazy goals because I have enough. Yeah. There, there there's so many things in there that you said that, um, are kind of themes in the show about happiness and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I have like, four follow-up questions i guess i'll just (laughs) have to pick one but so the the one is like um um okay how about this one um how do you well first i wanted to ask you like what what does that mean like realizing you have enough is that just monetarily or does it have to do with other things deeper things in life and and the second part of that question was you you um uh are the type of business that you're in, you know, the type of business that you've built is around, um, your, your content output, you know, and selling, um, books and products that you've made and writing articles and kind of keeping your audience engaged. So I imagine there's got to be a tension there between, you know, realizing that enough is enough, but you also have to kind of keep, if you just totally stop, um, or even slow down to an extreme amount, that that engine is going to start slowing down and there's a little bit of like constant promotion that you have to keep doing with the type of business that you've built for yourself. So, um, yeah, so those were two different questions, but yeah. So revenue is definitely tied to content output and that's something that has been an issue at this, you know, as we're talking about this now, like, uh, I've come to a mental place where I've decided, you know, I I have enough. Um, But at the same time, throughout this, because I haven't produced on the same level this year as previous years, um, or really we'll we'll go with last year, um, uh, revenue has definitely been down like through the summer and through the fall. And so I have to do something to fix that. But I've been very conscious of trying to work on things that are, are creating systems and driving long-term revenue. So yeah. like, like building out, 
uh, email courses or autoresponders um, to share my content rather than doing something like writing some big blog post that promotes a design book and getting it out really quickly mm-hmm. um, just to try to make, you know, $5,000 off of that post or something like that. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to be very strategic uh, about um, where I put my time and make sure it benefits things long-term and get those systems in place. Even though I now have a little bit of stress because um, I spent throughout the you know spring and summer buying and heavily remodeling this house, I spent pretty much what I didn't realize at the time, but pretty much all my savings. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's you know I definitely do have some financial stress at the moment, but I'm trying to be very careful about how I go about uh, solving that problem and trying to take a long term outlook on it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned like um, putting in, like putting into place systems and um, uh, um, in other words, having a, like you said, a long-term look instead of a short-term look. And I think uh, so many people, myself included, um, uh, are in that place struggling with like, you know, what to focus on, what what is going to have a bigger long-term effect and things like that. So how do you go about choosing those things? I mean, you're on the other side of it. You've already built this business and built an audience and have proven that, you know, you have something to say and something that, you know, people are willing to buy and that is valuable. But, you know, at that point, how do you go about deciding, you know, or determining which things are, 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 are short-term focus and you shouldn't worry about and which things um, are going to have a bigger long-term effect and that you should put your time into? Well, let's take just the the marketing side as an example right from the beginning because um, I, I think this works well. When As you're building an audience, in order to keep the audience engaged, you, you have to uh, you have to keep sending them content. Yeah. You, know, you have to keep delivering value on a regular basis. And so what that often looks like is something that, you know, we've kind of nicknamed the content treadmill where you got to put out those articles every Monday and Thursday or, or whatever it is, you know, you're, yeah. you got to launch that podcast every week. Um, and after a while you can kind of feel stuck on this. I know for a long time I wrote a thousand words a day and I, I built an amazing business because of it, but it got to a point where I felt trapped writing, you know, having to keep writing cause I had, you know, over 600 days in a row and so it's when you're when you're sending that stuff out going back to the the emails you can do it in like a campaign or a broadcast where you wrote this blog post or you wrote wrote this uh valuable content you send it out and that went out that one time the approach that i've been encouraging people to take and i i think this is you know partially a tactic and partially a uh you know, life marketing lesson is to put these out as an, in an email course instead. So for example, it'll still go out to everybody. You know, you, you put it in your email course or your autoresponder. Um, if you have a little bit of one already, then it's going to go out on, you know, maybe it'll go out on day 10 or something like that. And everyone who's already on your list, who's been on your list forever, will get it as if it was a, a broadcast, but then people who signed up later, you know, are going to get all the emails in the sequence in order. Yeah. And so if you do this, 
you know, it's the exact same amount of work and that sort of thing, but you're creating a system. And if you do this over a long period of time, then you could stop writing and someone could subscribe to your site and get this content, you know, get a weekly email from you for like six months. Yeah. And because you put in that effort to create systems from the beginning rather than always scrambling and saying, you know, what am I going to do this week to drive revenue, to keep my subscribers engaged, to, you know, to stay on well, top what of about, this content treadmill? What about someone who um, is on the the other side of it, like where you were a couple of years ago? Like maybe, maybe you haven't sold anything yet. You're still trying to build your audience. You don't have a blog with hundreds or thousands of, you know, archives. Like, you know, you're still new at it. Are these tactics things that you that you can only put in place, you know, um, further down the road? Or are you saying, you know, start doing this from the beginning? I mean, yeah, I'm saying start doing it from the beginning. Like the very first email that you sent to your list, I think should actually be part of an email course. And and I want people to think beyond that as as a tactic. I mean, it's a tactic you should definitely use. Yeah, but but the 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 real point is that you need to be looking at it from the very beginning of even when you're trying to get those first 50 email subscribers that I'm building a system. Mm-hmm. The work that I'm doing now will benefit me for years to come rather than this is the post that I've got to get out just this week. Yeah. So part of it is 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 not even necessarily I mean it is doing different things but it's also having a different mindset about the work you do. And that might not change it 100%. Like you might not do something completely different, but it may alter what you do a little bit that um, is going to have a a, a better effect in the long run um, than in the short run. Part of it too is, you know, um, I feel like to, to do things like this, you have to be pretty focused. Like you have to know kind of, even if you don't know who your audience is, you kind of have to know what it is that you want to say. You know, like if you're not there yet, if you're if you're not sure what it is you want to say um, or what it is you have to offer or to teach or, you know, if you're still kind of in that phase of finding your voice and figuring out, you know, what you're doing, um, seems to me that, that that type of stuff would be difficult to do because, um, like, how, how would one put together an email uh, course or marketing course, um, unless they had, you know, figured out something specific to, to teach someone over 30 emails. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I guess I'm thinking of it more as it could be the, your email course can be the exact same emails that you would have sent out in a broadcast, Mm -hmm. just maybe without any, any time sensitive stuff in it. Yeah. And so you can still be, you know, jumping between topics you know, each email and something like that. So long as each one is useful. Yeah. Um, like when you're in the early stages of a blog, I totally get that, you know, you're trying to figure out who your audience is and what you want to teach and all of that. Um, and life is definitely way easier, you know, when, uh, when you have that focus and that direction. Um, yeah. But you don't have to think of creating an email course or a marketing plan or that sort of thing as, I have to have this whole thing figured out before I start. Yeah. You just need to have the mindset of whatever work I put into marketing, creating my products, you know, anything. Does it, am I doing it in a way that will benefit me long term? 
Yeah. And that, that just applies to everything. And it may just be a 5% tweak. Like for example, sticking with the email example in ConvertKit, um, that w- which is my email marketing company, that would be uh, the difference of putting the, the text for your email you know, in a broadcast versus a course, like you're literally just typing into a different box, mm-hmm. but it's a different mindset and it's taking a long-term approach. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's really interesting. I guess it, I don't want to get too deep into the details of like how email marketing works and stuff because right. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure, um, how, um, because from what I understand what you're saying, it's like, you're talking about like a batch of like you're, you're typing in, you know, um, 10 or 20 or 30, like you're creating sort of a, a grouping of, of emails or posts or content that are going to automatically go to people when they, when they first sign up. So if you're just starting and you don't have those 30, you don't have that thing, you know, it's still essentially the same thing. You're still each week creating a new one, but you're just saying, why not be adding each week's new newsletter to the, um, to the, the, the cycle, the course, than just a one-time broadcast is what you're saying. Yep, exactly. So you don't have to think, you don't have to know what, you know, your email 30 is going to be. Yeah. Just like, how do you, you know handle that? then? Like if you have, you know, um, if you, if you do it that way, you're not ever essentially sending out any new newsletters. You're only sending out things to people that sign up. What about the, you know, 500,000, 10,000 people that are already on your list, do they never receive anything new from you? No. So, you know, I'm not sure how other tools would handle this. Um, but in, in ConvertKit, the way that we do it is it would say, say like, as an example, you've been on my list for a year and I decide to put out, um, an email on my email course and I put it out on, you know, day 50, Mm-hmm. What it's going to do is say, oh, Adam's been on the list for far longer than that, but he hasn't received this email. And it'll just send it to him, send it to you as if it was a broadcast. I see. But uh, OK, so for, for when you add a new a new, you know, like you said, email 50 to your your list of. Um, well, I guess. OK, so what I'm seeing here, um, let's say that uh, um, and maybe maybe it's just the software that 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 fixes this. But right. let's say that. um I sign up for your email list today. So I get that first email that the rest of your newsletter got like a year ago. And then next week I get the second one that everyone else got um, a little less than a year ago. But the next week you also send out a new one. So do I get two emails then that week or, or am I just sort of on a track to kind You're of just, be a year behind everyone else basically? Yeah. Um, basically you're, you're on that track of what's been set out. Until you get to a date that's further out than the, you know, the most recent email I've added to the sequence, you know? Yeah. Okay. And and then you're at the point where when I publish a new email, it goes out to everybody at the same time, except for those new subscribers. And yeah. so it's just, um, it's just a way of, of making sure that, you know, well, you're able to reuse what you, like you just said, you put all this work into these emails over the period of a year. Why waste those, you know, right. for someone who signs up now, you know, you've got all this great stuff, um, you know, that they're never going to see unless you also publish, um, 
on your blog, the posts that you send to people. And I mean, there's all kinds of different strategies, but yeah, it does seem like a, a good way to um, um, get more out of the effort you put in. Right. And, you know, I hate that of wasting content. I mean, there's articles that I've written two years ago or a year ago that even people, you know, maybe who have been on my blog for a while, um, have never seen. Yeah. And so this, you know, exactly what you said, this makes sure that your best content goes out to, um, to everybody. Yeah. And nobody gets it twice. And, um, the other thing that you can do is since you're creating a system, you can improve it over time. Yeah. So you could, you could build a product launch, you know, like an open and closed product launch into your, uh, into your email funnel yeah. where it just goes out automatically or, you know, one thing that always happens is I sent out an email broadcast, you know, to 20,000 people um, back when I was still doing it this way. And someone will write in, reply and be like, oh, you have a typo here. And it's kind of like, well, I can't really do anything about that because the email is sent. Like there's kind of this, yeah. this finality to yeah. sending an email. It's like, I've done that uh, before. Yeah. I, you know, great. I, I, can't I, sent, do anything. I sent a newsletter once that somehow, because of the, I, I just kind of, um, you know, I'm not a MailChimp, you know, that's what I use. I'm not a marketing expert. And so somehow I managed to send, I, the, because of the template I chose, I sent my new email. And then below that was the previous week's email. All is one email somehow. And there was no way to go and like uh, edit it. I, I just would have to resend the whole thing out and say, sorry for that mistake, you know, at the top, you know. Yeah. So really, if you're creating a system you know, and you have it into the, in this, this email course, then you can be like, Oh, sorry about that. But then you can go and tweak with the email. You can refine it. You can incorporate feedback, um, into making it better because you know that this wasn't a one-time thing. This is something that, you know, all my subscribers for years to come are going to get. Yeah. And so yeah, that's I a just, really, that's a really interesting um, way to think about it. I never, I've never, I never thought about it because you do always hate that, you know, like um, when you write a post um, that's two years old and, and when it came out, you know, it, it, it really helped a lot of people or resonated with a lot of people. And but two years later, that's buried in your archives. You know, no one knew is ever going to see that unless I don't know, it, it just somehow resurfaces kind of organically. Right. But with something like this, you're able to kind of repurpose that stuff. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's very interesting. So to take this conversation back to, uh, you know, health and depression and all of that, um, you know, what we talked about earlier of of making just a little bit of progress. If you're having that, that long-term focus, that little bit of progress can go a long way. Yeah. If all you do that day is, um, improve an email in your autoresponder sequence or, or something like that. Yeah. It's going to, you know, have benefits for a long time to come. Yeah. Whereas, and this is something I've had to work on so much. If you're just chasing short-term revenue, then that work you do that day might, you know, make you a couple hundred dollars or maybe a couple thousand dollars, but that'll be one time yeah. revenue. And so if you're trying to live a balanced life, stay healthy, you've, you've got to think long-term, how is this going to, to help me years to come and not just this week? Yeah, definitely. And you've written about that recently, too, on your blog about how you um, you're trying to rather than constantly create new products, um, 
you know, you're thinking about how you can re relaunch or, or re, you know, promote, um, the products, the existing products you have. And that's kind of the, well, okay. I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's definitely something I wanted to talk to you about, but before, just before we get into that, um, I did want to, uh, ask you about, the, cause I think it's, it's really significant that, that realization that, you know, um, you have enough, the, the contentment, the happiness, all those things. I, I think some of, you know, I, I want to say, I want to say that the, I want to say we, cause I don't want to feel like I'm the only person like this, but, <laughs> um, it's really hard to get to that point. You know, it's just a constant, um, uh, constant, uh, search, constant digging, you know, just constant momentum to try to, um, do more and more and bigger and better and, and find answers and, and stuff like that. So, you know, what is that when you say you've, you, you've realized that you have enough, um, you, you mentioned, um, specifically that related to money, but, um, I'm assuming that, you know, or how has, how has that affected other areas besides money? Like specifically when we're talking about contentment and happiness and is it just about money or, um, that statement that I, I, I have enough, you know, what, what other areas of your life does that affect? Well, I think based on how I'm wired and, you know, wanting to start companies and all of that, that's the area that it has had the biggest impact in my life because that's been my focus for, for so long, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think so much of it just comes back to, gratitude and um thinking through well like another example might be with my kids so my kids are are three years old and six months old and it's easy to think about um you know oh when they're this age we'll do this traveling with them or you know and always thinking ahead and so I, i along those lines it's just realizing that you know no, this is a, this is a great time and to live now and stop, you know, there'll be plenty of times down the road that, you know, we can do all of those things, but, yeah, um, to be grateful for what we have now in the present. And, and I think in all of this, like, it may sound like this is easy or, um, yeah, no, it's definitely not easy. It's not easy at all. And like, it's a, it's not like, you know, back in May, I had this realization that I have enough. And that was, you know, yeah, that, that, that was it. And it's so something suddenly, where, you're a, suddenly you're a Buddhist monk, you know, yeah, exactly. it doesn't work yeah. that way. It's been a constant realization, a constant reminder. And I think the easiest thing that has helped it is um, just trying to write down what you're grateful for. Keep track of it. Uh, there's this coffee shop that I go into um, a couple times a week and they have what they call gratitude Mondays. And I always like this, you know, they have a little punch card. So for every 10 cups of coffee or whatever you, you know, you get one free. Yeah. Um, but on gratitude Mondays, if you say what you're grateful for, they give you, you know, double the punches and it's just like, I don't know, it's cheesy and, and all of that but it just makes me smile every time because there's such, it's such a good reminder that to just be grateful for what we have because we have enough. Yeah. Yeah. It it is, it is a, um, 
what you said about it being an everyday thing, that's that's something I think I've been figuring out, or at least I've a lot of people. It seems like it's it's on a lot of people's minds. Is that yeah? It's not like you just suddenly you figure, you know, it's like we're all searching for this thing, you know, this picture of life that, you know, we were kids, we thought it was going to be like, we're conditioned, whether it's by Hollywood, or American culture, or whatever life is supposed to be like, and and it never arrives, you know, and, and, and the point is, is that you don't just have an epiphany, you know, maybe some people, you know, kind of have that epiphany one day and the rest of their life is different. But I think for most people, it's uh, you have to just maybe you have that epiphany at some point, but then you have to keep reminding yourself of it. You you almost have to have you have to wake up every morning and force yourself to have that epiphany over again, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't last. You know, it's 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 in that moment, you know, at least that's what happened for me when I got sick and everything. Suddenly I realized like you, you know, that and I have I, I actually have things so good, you know, but. After a while and you start feeling better and you get back into the groove of working, you forget that you you forget that insight, you know, and and it's just a, it's a daily it's like a everyday thing instead of just a once I discover it, once I figure it out, once I'm, quote, enlightened or whatever, then it's it's uh, everything will be different from that point on. Yep. If only <laughs> I know. So I, I realize that we're, you know, we're halfway into this and we haven't even, um, you know, I assume most people know who you are and what you do and everything. I've mentioned that you've you've written some books and everything, but you do a number of things and I want to talk to you about how you're consolidating those things. But how do you how do you answer the question, you know, if you're at a family event or a party or whatever, just some social thing and someone says, um, what do you do? Um, do you just say I'm a writer? Like how do you what's the short answer to that? Because I'm always paralyzed by that question because I have no idea. It's like, well, if you had an hour, I might be able to explain to you what I do, <laughs> but there's no one sentence answer to that question. I just have to pick something, you know? Yeah. So I tend to say that I'm an author and a, de- and a designer. And sometimes I'll clarify like so- that I'm a software designer, depending on, yeah. on, on the crowd. Um, and then usually, you know, cause if I say I'm a writer, then everybody thinks that I'm broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that's interesting. Even, so you get a different response from when you say I'm an author versus I'm a writer. Like people respond to that differently. Oh yeah. Definitely. Really? And that's actually something I was listening to. I think a podcast with Ramit Sethi and he was saying the exact same thing that he uh, found that by introducing himself as an author versus a writer, he got a way, <laughs> a way better response. Do you ever feel like, I don't know, like to me, I'd be totally comfortable saying I'm, I'm a writer. I mean, I used to because I used to be in journalism for so long. So, I, you know, I would say I was a writer. But um, to me, almost saying like I'm an author. I, tell me what you think. Does it does it sound pretentious at all in a way of almost like saying, oh, well, I'm 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 wealthy, you know, <laughs> or like I'm independently wealthy. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm an author, you know, <laughs> um, do, does it ever come? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Do you ever struggle with that? Not really. Um, I like think what are people's another... responses, you know, when you say I'm an author? They're like, oh, what, what books do you write? Is that the response typically? Yeah, generally. I don't think I've ever had a negative response from it. Um, yeah. If I thought it might be poorly received, I might say that like I'm a designer or actually this is something I do say. I say, um, I like someone will ask, what do you do? And I, I say, I design software and I teach, you know, I write books teaching other people how to design better software. 
Um, but that only covers part of it because now I write, you know, most of my stuff about marketing and how to grow an audience and how to sell more books. And, and so then it just gets complicated. Yeah, that's what I mean is that you just, uh, for me, I find that I just have to pick something. You know, I could say I'm right. a designer. I could say I'm a developer. I could say I'm a writer. I could say I'm a podcaster. podcaster. Yeah. All those things. And and I, um, you know, the current thing for me is the podcasting, you know. And so that's why it's so hard is, you know, I was at my mom got married um, a few months ago. And my wife's grandmother said, so how are things going? What are you doing these days? And um, it was actually this moment of, I got really depressed afterwards. I was telling my wife, I was like, I can't even explain. I couldn't even explain to my own family what I do. You know, I mean, it's it, how can, you know, uh, what does that say about my business that I, I could not even explain? I was like, how the world am I going to explain podcasting to an 85 year old woman? You know, it's just not, I, I don't even, I, I couldn't even answer the question. You know, I was just like, well, I'm just, you know, working, <laughs> you know, yep. it was just some kind of answer. And uh, it made me really frustrated that I couldn't explain, you know, what it is. But I think, I don't know about you, I, f I feel like that comes from this desire to, I don't know, be an expert, be known for something, you know, to kind of have this one area of expertise that you can, you know, tout or, or, or at least that's your thing. And for a lot of people like you, it's it's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, when introducing yourself or that you just have to start with a little bit. And then if they want <laughs> more, you know, just start by telling them something that gives them a tiny bit of context where they're like, oh, okay, you do design and it probably has something to do with the internet. Good job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. and like and they can move on from that and you know, like the family response is like, oh, you work with computers. That's yeah. cool. Whatever. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. You're the, you like, they, they all think I, I did tech support when I was in my late teens. And I think most of my family still thinks that I do some form of tech support still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, see, I never did tech support, but yeah. my whole family thinks that that's what I should do for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I definitely still get that. Um, and that's why I keep trying to get everyone. I'm slowly getting all my extended family into the Apple fold so that I have less work to do for them. But, <laughs> but right. so that, that's the thing. People ask me a question like, Oh, how do I fix this on my computer? And I'm like, I have no idea. I haven't used a windows machine in like seven years, eight years. And, and they're like, but you use computers all the time. They're like, I don't know. Google it. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And then that's what I do is I sit down on their computer, type it into Google. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is the answer. Yeah, definitely. I think it helps when they see me learn it, mm -hmm. you know, right at the same time that they, that they learned it too, where it's like, we have the same source of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, like the, so, um, so with all, with all the marketing stuff, I mean, that's, I think that's what, among internet people, people who know you, I think that's probably what people know you for is, um, you know, the, the books that you've written and the, the uh, you've written a lot and talked a lot about email marketing and, and just marketing in general. But, um, you know, you got, you've, you've done a number of different books and products and you've written, written recently, you wrote this post about, you know, how you could make a full-time living off of just one product and continuing to sell that product instead of constantly do new ones. So was that post, uh, kind of, a is, are you going to try to do that? Or, um, you know, I, I felt like, like that was a great post. Like, so what is, what does that mean for you basically in the future? Yeah. So I already have a lot of products and, uh, people really like them. So they're not going away. Um, I did consolidate 
uh, two of the products. I had, you know, um, a follow-up to the book that I wrote authority, which is on how to, how to publish profitable books. Um, and this follow-up product was called, uh, building profitable audiences. And so it was a course in community on taking people, you know, kind of from that level of great, you, you self-published this book, you've built a little audience, you've made five or $10,000. Here's how to turn that into like a six figure a year business, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but then I also created this whole video course because it's a topic I love on product launches. And I, you know, hired a video crew and spent a whole bunch of money and recorded all these videos. And so now I had two different products and, you know, so I did stuff like I rolled those two together into a single product. Um, so what, what are the products? Um, like your, if you go to your website, you, you have a, a page for your books and you list out your books, but like, what are the actual products that you have now? Or do you consider like your books? I mean, obviously your books are products, but mm-hmm. your, your non book, your, your courses, I guess is what I'm asking. You know, you've consolidated some of those. So what are the actual courses, the different ones that you, you have currently? Yeah. So I have seven products. Um, the books are, uh, the app design handbook and designing web applications on the design side. And then authority, which is a marketing book about, you know, how to write and publish profitable books. Um, and then I have a, a video course on how to use Photoshop for web design. Um, I should get more of this. I'm just looking at my website now. I need to put more of this like prominently on my website. Yeah. That's what I was saying is like, you've got like your books there and stuff, but um, you know, and, and you've got a number of different sort of lists like, or places to subscribe and things like that. So I find my, I found myself when I was trying to, you know, prepare a little bit for this. Um, I was like, well, what products I, I couldn't figure out like what different products you actually had because they're kind of tucked away in different places right. on your site. Yeah. But, I tried uh, to do most of my business through my email list. Yeah. Uh, but to wrap up the product list. So that was four. Um, the other three are the email marketing company ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're competing with MailChimp and Aweber and, and that's really what takes, I'd say 80% of my time right now and focus. Um, And then the course I mentioned earlier, which is building profitable audiences, you know, that, which is that new combined course. Um, And then finally I have an iPhone app called commit, which I use to Mm -hmm. track habits and, and things like that. You know, I will write a thousand words a day. Um, Yeah. I track with commit. Uh, So that, that's seven products there. Yeah. So, are you part of this whole, you know, theme of realizing you have enough, trying to slow down a little bit and some of the posts you've recent, written recently are, I mean, like the future for you, at least the immediate future, um, are, are you going to try to just um, continue promoting and launching, quote, launching those products or are you going to keep creating more? I'm not going to create new products. I'm going to create new versions of the existing products and keep making them better, mm-hmm. which on one hand is hard because creating new products is really fun. Yeah. Like there's a certain thrill from sitting down and knowing, okay, I promised everyone I would, you know, that this book would be out 30 days from now. And it's, you know, somehow it's only half written at this point, you know, and having that crunch and that extreme focus that you can channel into creating a product. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, but at the, at the same time, I now see that constantly creating new products is not the best thing for my business. And so 
Um, you know, I'm going to keep working and relaunching um, old products, uh, keep making them better, keeping them up to date. Um, and then, you know, building a email marketing company in the case of ConvertKit is just an amazing amount of work. Yeah. And that's something that I can keep making better and better and, and getting it in front of more people indefinitely. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I think you told me before, I don't remember, but like, you know, your goal was not to just, you know, develop convert kit for a couple of years and then sell it or whatever. But like, that was kind of your thing. That's what you felt most passionate about. And you wanted to turn that into like a large thriving company. Is that, is that right? Yep. That's, that's exactly right. So I had this, you know, the last three years or so for me, two and a half years have been this realization that you can teach a small number of people on the internet that you've never met. You can teach them valuable skills and they will happily pay you for it. And you can make thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. And, and that's the, or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, That realization has been like the defining you know, the most important thing I've learned in my entire career or the the coolest thing. And so now everything that I'm focusing on is about helping more people do that. Yeah. And so, uh, it's a very interesting path, you know, and I've, I've noticed this. It's not just with you. I've noticed it with a lot of people that people start out teaching a specific thing that they know, like for you, it was design and you wrote a couple books about design and you started teaching people that. And then gradually you you shifted in teaching people how to teach people. You know, essentially, mm-hmm. that's what marketing is. I mean, uh, other people have followed that. Like, um, I'm sure you know um, uh, Sean McCabe, a friend of mine. Yep. Um, and he kind of followed the same, but he started out with lettering. That was his thing. And he taught people how to do that and then sort of shifted into then teaching people how to teach people and how to, how to do that for themselves. Is that just a natural, is that just, you think a natural progression that, you know, when you're successful with something, you're going to get people asking you how you did that. And so then you just naturally start talking more about it. Or, or is it just that people like you and Sean, just in addition to your specific skill, like design and lettering, you also had this passion or desire or whatever to, to talk or interest in talking about marketing and business. And that's why you went that direction. Yeah. I think it's the latter. I think, um, everyone who has some level of success selling products, uh, enjoys talking about the, the business side of it. You know, I, and I have a lot of friends that do that. Um, and I have a lot of friends that, you know, could have written, authority like they had similar successes as me and i even learned from them and they they didn't they stayed in their particular focus but some of them have said like oh i wish i wrote that book or yeah i wish i'd gotten into it but from another angle there are plenty of people who know that it's not a smart business decision for them to get into that market yeah so for example uh brennan dunn writes about you know the business of freelancing yeah um and he's done very, very well with that. And he has all kinds of things that he could teach on, you know, how to grow a blog, how to market, you know, all that. And he may write the occasional blog post on it, mm-hmm. but he's not creating products around um, the marketing and business lessons that he's learned 
except for how they apply to freelancers. So we that's intentional. Really you're saying you're saying that's it's very yeah. very intentional. Uh, I talk to him all the time, and it's it's a constant struggle for him because he has all these things he could be teaching, um, but he's he's picked one audience. He's tried to serve them as best as possible, and he's done an amazing job with it. And by staying focused like that. Um, his business is a lot simpler, a lot more streamlined, and I think has a much higher potential for more profit. Well, uh, it's, it's it, as you said, it's more focused. There's not, you know, like you to take you and Sean McCabe as an example. You both kind of have your site, your websites are kind of now you kind of have siloed them a little bit, one into the the, the original specialty, the design or lettering, and one in, in the marketing or business side. You know, because now you kind of have these audiences that are interested in both of those things and i'm sure it, it definitely is harder to it's harder to keep building two things than it is to build one thing you totally. know um, do you ever feel like the temptation to just kill the design stuff you know like your focus is on marketing that's where it's been for a while just just you know remove the design stuff that was the past and now your current season your current stage is focused on this and you're just going to focus on that. Like, have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I've definitely thought about it. And if, you know, if I was forced to get rid of one of the two audiences, uh, it'd be hard, but I, you know, I, I would definitely choose to stick with the marketing side. Yeah. You know, that is what I care about more. Like I, I haven't seen, I've seen major improvements when someone can learn how to design and learn how to create their own products and, and it just, you know, ship better software and all of that, mm -hmm. but it's not nearly as life-changing as being able to teach someone how to make $10,000 on the side by teaching totally, some, yeah. some valuable skill. And I, so I have far more stories of, you know, you know, far more stories that I think are truly life-changing of, uh, on the, on the marketing side than I do on the design side. And so if I had to pick, you know, that's where I would go long term. But do you think um, that like you had to, I mean, like what if, you know, if you were starting over, I, I, I'm sure you would do some things differently. I don't know that you would do a lot of things differently, but I feel like, like, do you think you could have started with the marketing stuff or, or Sean could have started with the business stuff? Like, I almost feel like you, you have to have had that success in something before you really have, you know, the authority <laughs> um, to to then teach people how to, how to do what you did. You know, if you didn't have that, I don't know. I feel like one just naturally leads into the other. Like it would have been harder to start with. I'm going to teach you about business or marketing when no one knows you and you have no proof or examples of how you succeeded at it. Right. I think, I think that's totally true. Um, you know, I could have the very first book I, I wrote, could have been about how to make money self-publishing books. Yeah. It would have been the stupidest thing to do. And, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know anything. Yeah. Like, and even that, you know, I could have learned from everybody else and done a, a hundred interviews on the topic and, and, uh, yeah. condensed all the information into a book. And it just, it, I don't know, it would have been hypocritical and just wrong. Like, what I always tell people, because I get this a lot, or I should say the people that I really like to work with who are coming out with a, a new book or trying to build an audience of some kind are the ones who have established real skills already mm -hmm. and have already had some, some experience and have already done the work. 
Yeah. You know, so they put in the time to become really good at something at, yeah. at programming, lettering, design, marketing, anything like that. They've, they've become good at their craft and now they want to teach it. Now they want to branch out something like that. Sure. You, you can start building an audience when you're still learning. And I highly recommend that, but I wouldn't start selling training products unless yeah. you're like actually good at your craft. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like you said, you could have written a book about, I mean, it's not, I mean, it is hard work and I'm not trying to diminish how hard it is, but, but put it like you said, you could have interviewed people, you could have looked at what other people were doing and, and figured out how to put together something like that. But it, you know, as you said, might've been hypocritical, but more than that, I mean, it's just, you didn't have the authority yet or the um, trust, you know, in, in who you are to, to sell something like that. And I guess the root of my question was in thinking about goals and thinking about, you know, what you want to do with your life and discovering, you know, what you have to offer and what value you can put out there. You know, what if you, uh, that, th what if you know that your ultimate goal is to help people, um, whatever it is uh, to help people, um, uh, like, like you have done to, to help people uh, grow their businesses or to help people with their ideas or whatever it is. What if that's your ultimate goal? Um, would your advice still be don't start there because you don't have the authority yet to start there? Um, is it okay to, to start with, um, a more, a more specific practical, like for you, it was design. For me, it, it's probably podcasting, you know, and I could teach people about podcasting. But podcasting is really a subset of the ultimate goal, and that's teaching people about how to um, how to actually do something and make a living off something they enjoy, you know. And and a specific version of that is podcasting. You know what I'm saying? So so the question is like, even if you know your end goal is broader, is your advice still to start more specific? Like that's where you should start. Yeah, you should always start specifically, you know, with a, a narrowed topic, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's you're writing a book or doing a podcast or any of that, I, I find the, the more narrow the topic, the easier it is to, to sell and grow, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I mean, I maybe a, a way to rephrase that question was for you, if you were starting over, even if you had known that where you were going to end up was writing authority and talking about marketing and stuff like that, even if you had known then that that was what you were really ultimately interested in, you think the path um, you took, you know, you, you still would have said even then, even though if you knew that, you still would have said, I, I can't start there because I don't have the authority to start there yet. I got to start with design or something, whatever your specific thing is, so that you can build up that authority to then um, talk about those successes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. It does. And I wouldn't even consider it. I can't start there because I don't have the authority. I would say I can't start there because I have no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, you've got to learn, you have to learn those skills in a hands-on way. And, and it's not even, so what I will say is after I wrote my first book, uh, which was the app design handbook, it, you know, it did really well. It sold twelve and a half thousand dollars worth in the first 24 hours. And I was blown away. And my first response was, I've got to tell everyone about this. Like, yeah. you know, Adam, did you know that you can teach about, uh, you know, a skill that you already know and <laughs> yeah. people will pay you tens of thousands of dollars for it? Like, 
you know, I just wanted to tell everybody. And so the next thing was, oh, I should write blog posts and a book and all the stuff about that. And then I thought, no, there's, there's way more on this topic that I haven't even come close to understanding yet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my, my instinct was to go write authority right then. But what I realized and talking to a few friends was I need to, I need to, I need to do this more. I need to practice my craft more, which in this case, my craft was uh, writing and publishing profitable books. Mm-hmm. And so I set aside 90 days and I published another book called designing web applications, you know, and I learned so much more through that. You know, I learned just as much publishing the second book about design and mark or about, you know, marketing and business and building an audience as mm-hmm. I did publishing the first book. And so then, and only then did I feel like, okay, I've learned enough that I can, you know, do tons of interviews, learn a whole bunch more and, and write an actual book, but I have enough firsthand experience. I have enough stories that I can finally go that direction. And yeah. I, I didn't go into any of this consciously with like a master plan. Um, cause I, I think those just never work out. What you have to do instead is say, this is the one thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write a book about design and, you know, 90 days, 120 days later, whatever it is, you know, you publish that and then you see, you do your absolute best at that one thing and then you see what opportunities open up to you. Yeah. And so I had no idea that I would have more people asking me about how to publish profitable books than I had asking me about design. Yeah. It just came, came about because I was open and I was teaching. And at the same time, when I published the book on design, I also published a blog post saying, here's what I learned in the process. Uh, here's what the sales did, you know, and I did, yeah. I've done that after, you know, every book. And that's how the whole marketing side of my audience grew because I just, I was open about everything and, and just tried to teach everything I know. And you kind of yeah. just wait and see what sticks what people resonate with and, and follow that. Yeah. For, for the, the short time or for the short term anyway, are, are your plans to just keep doing what you're doing? You know, I know you got a podcast and I've been talking about kind of some ways you're thinking about changing that up or whatever, but I know it's difficult, you know, because as you said, there's the, the, the starting, the act of creating, of doing something new. It's very alluring and very exciting. And so is it a battle for you? Are you trying to really just get up every day and tell yourself, okay, don't go off and do something new. I'm going to just focus on on what I've got. To kind of answer that question indirectly, I'm wor- working on the same things, but with a totally different goal. So my goal for the last two years has been to increase the amount of money I make, you know, get that yearly yeah. salary number higher. My goal for next year, for 2015, is to help my readers make more money. And I'm going to try to track that as deliberately as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing very similar things. I'm teaching, I'm putting out you know, content and all of that. But the goal is not to make me more money. The goal is to make my readers more money. And so the, what I'm going to do, and this is as good of a place to announce it as any, um, is I'm launching something I'm calling the Authority 100. And so after Authority has been out for a year and a half, and I've got a bunch of case studies 
uh, we're at about 20 or so, 15 of which are published, of people who have read Authority and made a meaningful amount of money self-publishing their book. Right. Um, uh, Sean McCabe is, is, is one of them. You know, I worked pretty closely with him. You've on, done some of those on your podcast, right? Like you, you, you shared some like authority success stories on your podcast. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm going to try to be much more deliberate about it and I'm setting the threshold higher. So the authority 100 is my goal is to get 100 people who have made at least $10,000 off of their, their blogs, books, any of that based on what they learned reading authority. And so in order to make that happen, I need to get my message out to a much wider audience. I need to be really, really focused on helping these authors who, you know, are putting in the work, but, but need a little more help, you know, helping them to, to launch their books. Um, and you know, part of it's creating the tools, uh, like with ConvertKit, it's mm-hmm. email marketing for authors. Um, so my whole focus for the next year, at least as I have it planned out now, is to get to 100 authors who have made $10,000 each. And I, you know, I plan to, to launch a new section of my site dedicated to that. Um, I want to keep a running tally. Like if these authors will keep me updated on how much their books have made. Um, you know, I want to keep a running tally of, of the total. Cause some of these authors, um, another, like an example would be Samuel Hulick who wrote a book called, uh, user onboarding. And, uh, you know, I get emails from him and he's like, Hey, that case study we wrote when it said I'd made 30 grand off my book, uh, it's now out of date. I'm up to 75,000. Yeah. And like, those are my favorite emails to get. It's so fantastic. And so I want to keep a running tally of that. I want to showcase it. I want to put it all out in the open for, you know, all of my, all of my readers to, to see and be inspired by. Yeah. I was going to ask, so is this, is this just a, uh, basically written content like for your website or is this a, a, um, are you going to package it up in some way, like a podcast or a book or, or whatever, or what is the authority 100 basically? So it's going to be a section, a section on my website with a hundred slots for photos. Mm-hmm. And then when you click into one, it's going to be a, you know, a brief, uh, I don't know, maybe 500 words or so on that person, what they did, how they did it, um, what their book is links to that to help them sell more. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I want to promote their work, you know? And so it's going to be that hundred slots. And when I launch it, you know, maybe it'll have, 12, 12 of the slots filled and, and showing so many more examples. Cause I get emails from people and they're like, that's great that you were able to self-publish design materials and, and, you know, sell a book that makes a hundred thousand dollars. I can't do that because, you know, and then there's some reason, Whatever reason how yeah. I'm a special snowflake, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, what you could say is, Hey, you could throw in all kinds of reasons. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. Well, you could say like, I teach music, um, not design. Um, I live in Australia, not the United States. You come up with all these reasons. And so what I want to say is have a page with just so many examples that you can no longer have an excuse. Yeah. So the, one of the case studies that we're just about to write, uh, it's about a lady, her name's Katie. And 
Uh, she just emailed me a couple weeks ago, totally out of the blue. I'd never had a conversation with, with her before. And she said, I want to thank you for authority. My, my course, um, you know, my book course came out recently. It's about helping teachers use iPads to teach music in the classroom. Mm-hmm. She's, she's based in Australia and she didn't have much of an audience. She's been working on building it since reading authority and she launched her product. And when she sent me the email, she said, I think it's going to break $20,000 by the end of the first week. Wow. And she cool. emailed me an update a couple days ago and said, you know, that it had passed $35,000 in total sales in the first three weeks. Now this was a book. And, uh, yeah, it's like a kind of a hybrid of a book and a course. Um, okay. So kind of like what authority is, you know, there's the book yeah. and there's the other pieces of it as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to showcase all of those stories. The other thing that I want to do is even if someone gets to a list of, of thousands as, as you know, many of these people do, um, I want to be, be sure to talk about where they started from and how long, you know, and how they built that initial list and how they got there. Yeah. Um, but really the goal is to just lay out so many examples that you, one, you can't help but be inspired. And two, it, it makes it clear that you're not a special snowflake. Your, um, circumstances aren't so unique that you couldn't possibly ever do this. Yeah. Just to remove the excuses, the, you know, those are the barriers, the self doubt, all those things that we all, um, have that, you know, I'm that way. Anytime I have an idea that I know would work, but for whatever reason, I immediately start talking myself out of it. And then a year later I see someone else do it and basically Mm -hmm. prove that it, it could have been done, you know, and, and you're trying to kind of remove, you're trying to help people like me stop talking themselves out of doing stuff basically. Yep, exactly. And you know, the other thing is I get a little bit of flack from people like, Oh, you make money teaching people how to make money. Um, and so I want to, you know, but that's not where it started though. Right. It's not at all where it started, but even if that's where it's at now, I want to put a running total on my site and say, you know, be public about how much money I've made selling authority. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about like, I guess I could be public about that now. It's about a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and I, then I want to total up all those case studies, all the people in the authority 100 and be like, this is how much readers have made. Well, so do you have a specific plan with authority 100? You said part of your focus is going to be helping your readers achieve success or accomplish their goals. So like, is there, do you have any specific plans yet for how you're going to do that? Like, again, let's say someone purchases authority and needs help, you know, um, are you planning to, I mean, you can't possibly work one-on-one with all those people. So like, you know, how does that work into, or what specifically are you going to do to try to help, you know, people do this, accomplish these things? Um, putting out more content, I think is, is a a key area. We're going to, um, along with a couple other friends who did something last year called the self-publishing hangout. Yep. Um, I want to do that more regularly where, you know, get a handful of authors, get them together, let, you know, on Google hangouts and, and let people ask them questions and, and we just have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, trying to do a lot more author services and, and, and build tools like convert to help these authors, mm-hmm. 
you know, we found that people get hung up on have on designing a book cover. And yeah. so that's now something that we do for or naming it customers <laughs> or, or naming it, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, so to, to help this group, I'm going to keep working on, on making ConvertKit better and serving authors better through that. And then also, you know, adding more content to authority. Um, you know, if that means we need to create more templates or, or things like, you know, what, whatever it is that we can do to help. But I think at this point, um, the tools and training we have in place is pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of getting far more people exposed to it. Yeah. And, and providing a lot more inspiration because that inspiration is powerful when you see enough people that have done it and, and the right type of people, people like you that have done it. I I think that will help a lot. Yeah. Well, I want to kind of wrap up with one last question. I love this question because I love how, I don't know. It's been so personally insightful to me, but um, it is kind of specific. But is there a particular, if you could, I don't even know if you have anything you could say, but would you say there's been a particular habit or, or personal thing, you know, that that you have done, whether it's every day or, or whatever, but some sort of personal habit that you you would attribute that has had a major impact on on your success, you've written a lot about how, you know, it was writing your commitment to write a thousand words a day. So maybe that would be your answer. You know, everyone's answer is kind of different, which is what, why I love that question. But yeah, it's absolutely that writing a thousand words a day. Um, Even now that you stopped doing that though. Yeah. Really the habit is, Oh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go with two different habits. Um, (laughs) But uh, the habit of, that really I, th- I think is key is making small, consistent progress. Books don't get written when you get inspired, you know, write out a chapter over a weekend and, and try to run on that motivation and initial inspiration. Yeah. They actually get finished when you sit down and make a little bit of progress, whether it's a thousand words or 10 minutes a day or something like that, you know, every single day. Yeah. And, you know, that's how SaaS apps get improved and get all their bugs worked out. And it's just that slow, consistent progress, I think, is the key to everything. Yeah. Um, the other habit that I'm including cheating with is uh, to just to teach everything, you know, you know, you can work on some amazing things, but if nobody knows about it it's not going to get you any attention. It's not going to get you customers. Yeah. Um, it's not going to get you an audience. And so you just need to work in public. You need to say, Hey guys, this is the thing I built. Here's what I learned doing it. Yeah. I, I just, I get so hung up on like writing the perfect headline and having the perfect website and, you know, kind of having the right vehicle to deliver that content. It's so hard to get, to just get past that and accept that things are okay the way they are and just do it. And, and as we've been discussing, it doesn't have to be perfect before you start doing it. The great thing about headlines is you can change them really, <laughs> really easily. Like there's this program called FTP. Um, I don't know if you know about it. And you can FTP <laughs> into your server and then you can edit the HTML and yeah. you can just like type in a new headline. You to- yeah. It's later. A, a totally. You can do it later. Or you could, uh, there's this thing called Photoshop that you've written some books about. You could uh, design a new header if you need to. 
Right. Um, and you, but you, but the point is you can do it later Yeah, after you publish a bunch of posts on podcasting. Yeah. Well, man, I don't think we could end it any better way than that. So thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Nathan, for coming on the show. Uh, What a great conversation, man. I really enjoyed that. Thanks again for all the reviews and all the support with this show. It hasn't even been a month, and it's just already blown way past my expectations, and uh, it's, it's very encouraging. If you want to leave me a review and a rating and help me out, do me a favor. You can do that by going into iTunes. You can go to avclark.com slash TGM, and I've got a little guide there that will show you how to do it if you're not familiar. As I said at the top of the show, if you're interested in podcasting, my podcasting course is available for pre-sale, but it's going to be ending in a week, so you better jump on it. You can get to it at avclark.com course. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Oh, I, I do need to say that uh, it's going to be a great week next week. Monday's my birthday, and I'm going to be releasing my conversation with Seth Godin on Monday, which uh, was pretty exciting and uh, a lot of different emotions about that episode, which I will share at some point here. So be sure and check back for that. I hope you have a great weekend in the meantime, and thanks for listening.